And the key here for you is going to be as you're practicing on your specific skills this off season, can you practice the way you talk to yourself in a practice? Your self-talk can be practiced in practice. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I'm your host, Ashley Agle. Let's talk off-season. If you don't have a clue where to start when it comes to training this off-season, or you feel like you don't have time to work on your game because you're in another sports season right now, maybe you need a little structure when you're off from school for a while, or you just need a little nudge to get back onto your goals around the holidays or time off, this is your episode, if any of these are you. Off-season should be a time to emphasize practice. If you're playing more softball games than you are practicing this off-season or this time of year, you really need to start rethinking things because whether you're a coach signing your team up for a bunch of games, I understand. It makes sense why you would want to play a lot of games because we do learn a lot from games, but we can't look at our game from a bird's-eye view if we're constantly playing. So if you guys are signed up for a lot of tournaments this winter, I just, we, we got to rethink it truly because it's good to play scrimmages here and there, just make sure we're on our game, but off season is meant for practice for a reason. I know it sounds kind of frank, but I'm dead serious. You don't learn as much in games as you do in practice. Off season is meant to focus on a skill and player development. Honing in on your reps and fine-tuning areas of your game that maybe last season exposed you in certain ways. You need to break those two down from games to practice. It should be practice season. If we don't take time to pause and reflect, we will never be able to see our game from above, like I said, that bird's eye view, and see what areas we really need to take time to get better at. If you don't take that time to reflect on a season, create a game plan for your off season so that you can work to make your next season better physically and mentally, you will and can burn yourself out because you're constantly in the hamster wheel of game pressure. It takes a toll on you. I'm telling you, this is where I've seen tons of burnout in players. You cannot physically keep up with the demands of game after game after game if you do not have time where you're not playing. Again, if you're playing in one or two tournaments this winter, that's not what I'm talking about. If you're playing in six or seven tournaments this winter and fall, this is what I'm talking about. I don't want to give you the fear-mongering talk. I simply want to just educate you on the facts that are all around us. 
Think about this. Even college softball players get a summer and a few weeks off for the holidays. Sure, most of them are still training, working on their skills, they're at the gym, they're working on their mental game in this offseason, but their most exhausting time of the year is when they're playing 60 games or more in a matter of months. And their best softball should be by their most important games, aka conference and postseason. They have to rest and pull back on the gas pedal so that they can have energy to be at their best come spring. And not only spring, their last games of the season are the most important. We cannot have our foot on the gas pedal all season or our tank is going to be empty when it should be full. Okay, my rant's over. Just as a rule of thumb, the bigger the goal, likely the more your game is going to need to be worked on. So essentially, your goals will determine the work. For example, if you want to play college softball and that's your biggest goal, You have to be within the top 4% of all softball athletes in the nation when it comes to skill. That will determine your work. So you must train like you are in the top 4%. If you want to play in the Olympics, that percentage is much smaller. Let's just say maybe half a percentile of college athletes will go off to play in the Olympics. That might be even too many. I'm not very good at math. But you won't get to those places by chance. So sorry to say. But it's good to have goals on the mind. We've had multiple episodes on this podcast talking about the power of having goals. But the bigger the goal, the more work it's going to take. Now, if you want to play varsity as a freshman, that is a big goal. Maybe not as big as the Olympics, but it doesn't matter. If it scares you a little bit, you're in the right place. You know it's going to require extra work. So now's the perfect time to hone in on those skills before tryouts happen. Now, disclaimer, there is such a thing as working smarter rather than harder. I completely agree with that statement. Some people are training hard, but maybe not in the right ways. Maybe they're working hard in the gym, but the movements they're doing aren't helping them in their overall game as much as they could. I like to think of this as people who go in just for leg day, just so their legs look good, or they go in to run five miles when in reality, they're an outfielder who needs to work on their sprint and their motion. So if you're one of those people running 10 miles in the treadmill, are you playing basketball? Are you running cross country? There's nothing wrong with running 10 miles in the treadmill. If that is good for your mental psyche, go do it. But in reality, in our game, we need to be fast. So we should be probably honing in on some of that speed training rather than a bunch of long distance. My goal for you in this amount of time it takes me to record this episode is to really get clear on how you can make the most of the off-season for yourself so that you can really move the needle in the areas of your game that needs the most work. I like to use the example of Kobe Bryant. He was interviewed many times, and it's crazy how his best interviews are all coming out post his tragic death, but we can learn so much from Kobe. He looked at each off-season as hammering one specific skill that, frankly, his stats told him to work on. One year, his free throw percentages were at an all-time low, and it really affected his performance in his previous season. So what did Kobe do? He went hard on free throws, from focusing on the spin of the ball out of his fingertips to feeling comfortable taking this shot under pressure, and I'm sure I'm sure he figured out ways to add tons of pre- pressure to his practice, but he went so hard on this skill, he became obsessed with it in his months of off season. And then next season, 
it was one of his best statistical years in the free throw line. That was the area that his game needed the most work on. So he spent tons of time on it because practice equals confidence. Confidence comes from doing the things that you say you're going to do. So if he says he's going to be the top free throw shooter next season, he's going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. We have to look at our games in this way as well. It's really not that hard of a concept if you think about it. If you want to get better at it, tell yourself you're going to work to be the best at it and don't stop until you are. So let's figure out what area of your game you are going to emphasize this offseason. Of course, there's always room to improve in, frankly, every area of our game. But I want you to be honest with yourself. Let's dig deep on what the biggest needle mover is. I like to think of the needle mover as one thing that if you emphasize and put all of your eggs into this basket, it is going to transform your game the most. No one likes to think of the things that they're not great at, but the best do. Kobe had to if he wanted to be the best, and he constantly was working on one thing at a time to be the best that he could be. All right, now let's go over some ideas for you. If you're a pitcher, maybe your statistics on first pitch strikes was pretty low last season. Maybe that is the way that you can stand out and work to get ahead of counts this offseason. Maybe you wish you were able to hit your spots more. Maybe you didn't have as much command as you would have liked. Maybe it was a specific pitch that you struggled to get strikes on. Maybe you dabbled into the rise ball last year and you wish it would be a punch out pitch this year because you know that's going to help you stand out next year. Whatever it is, go all in. Maybe you're a catcher. Maybe you were exposed and didn't throw out many base runners that were stealing as often as you would have liked. Or maybe your blocking was a big red flag last year. Whatever the skill is as a catcher that you know if you go all in on is going to really make you stand out behind the plate next year, there it is. As a hitter, everybody knows I like to talk about hitting. It's okay to look at your batting average when seasons are over. From a mental standpoint, I don't encourage looking at your batting average in the midst of season because you're going to have highs and lows throughout the season. And if you dictate your entire season based on one weekend or one game, it's not going to be pretty and you're always going to be thinking about a number. But I will say by the end of season, let's say an entire summer season, your batting average will have a good idea of how you're performed at the plate. If your batting average was kind of low throughout the entire season, you probably had more lows than highs. And if that's the case, I really recommend you look deep as to why it was low. Maybe it was a confidence thing. Maybe it was under pressure you did not perform. Maybe your best at-bats were when nobody was on because there was less pressure. And your toughest at-bats, the ones where we didn't get the stats that we would like, were under that pressure situation. So then your job this offseason is to figure out how you can be more clutch, how you can perform under pressure. And I've talked about it in previous episodes, but if you can practice under severe pressure, you can play under severe pressure. Make practice harder than games. Maybe you noticed your stats weren't good. 
and you notice you hit a lot more pop-ups than you've ever hit in your entire career this past season. Well, then we probably need to spend some time leveling out our swing, making sure we're hitting more of those hard ground balls, maybe the one hops through the infield or that line drive to the fence. You have to dig deep as to why. And this is why a lot of people have hitting coaches. I love being a hitting coach for this exact reason. I love being able to ask an athlete where they think they are at. And crazy enough, a lot of athletes are one way or the other. They think they're doing great, but their stats don't show it. And some athletes, they think they're actually sucking and their stats are kind of okay. But if we can dig deep as to where do we want to be, why aren't we there now? How can we put the gas pedal on that specific thing and go all in on it so that come spring, you're not worrying about it? Because like Kobe, he was working on his free throws so much that it was second nature to him by season. Here's another stat from an offensive standpoint that maybe you don't look at very often. Your on-base percentage. Maybe you were in the lower half in this area in regards to team stats. Maybe you want to be up there in the lineup. Fun fact, the higher your on-base percentage is, the more likely you're going to be in the upper half of the lineup. Because if you get on base, we're going to put people behind you to score you. If this is an area you need to improve, then maybe your off-season you're working on making better and more consistent contact with the ball. Find ways to get on. Maybe your walks. Here's the deal. I walked twice my entire freshman season at Purdue. And my batting average, I think, was 270. I needed to be more patient. I also needed to work on the outside pitch because let's be real, I looked like an idiot going for low and out. And those pitchers, as soon as they knew it, were only throwing that pitch. My entire offseason was working on letting a couple pitches go by so I can get my timing down and also figuring out how to hit a line drive, I'm a lefty by the way, of a low and outside pitch over the shortstop's head. That was my bread and butter all offseason. And next season, my batting average was much better. And pitchers now didn't know where to throw to me because I figured out that spot. Hitters, you can do the same. If a certain location is your kryptonite, go hammer it. That is the best way we can get better as a hitter. Now, here's another one I don't know many are thinking about, but y'all know I love base running. I may hold a stat at Purdue for base running or a record, I should say. But if you feel like you were on your heels too much and you didn't feel very aggressive on the bases, you know you could have scored more runs for your team. Maybe you're one of the slower athletes on your team and want to get more doubles instead of singles or triples instead of doubles. Then you should spend time on your first step. You should spend time on your reaction. Everyone can get faster. Everyone. Do not put yourself in a box and say, oh, well, nobody thinks I'm fast, so I'm just not fast. Everybody tells me I'm slow, so I'm just going to stick with that label. No, you can get faster. I'm telling you, 10 minutes, few times a week working on your speed, you'll be so much faster, so much faster. You will leg out more doubles than singles. You will leg out in infield hits. Don't put yourself in a box. If you want to get faster, here are a couple episodes that I'm going to refer to. Episode 65 is working on speed training with former MLB player Chase Darno. Episode 103 with Florida record holder Skylar Wallace. She has so many base running records, it's insane. 
And then episode 157, very recent one with Coach Papa from UNC. She talks a little bit about how she's helping her base runners with their reaction and also how they could become more aggressive. I have some exciting news to share with you. The Virtual Hitting Academy is getting a facelift in 2024. And trust me, you are going to want to see what we have up our sleeves from Olympian guest speakers, more hitting drills added to the library, first access to, I can't believe I'm announcing this, a special course that me and a team of coaches will be launching next year. And you get special discounts on gear and also future clinic opportunities. Even if you're just a little interested to see and learn a little bit more about VHA, you'll want to be on my wait list so you can gain insight on the latest news and even get first access with bonuses that nobody else will get. Just head to www.ashleybtraining.com slash waitlist or tap the link in the show notes that I put for you and learn all the hype that's coming in 2024. Trust me, you are not going to want to miss it. Head to that link and join the wait list. You will be really glad you did. All right, let's head back to the show. All right, let's have a serious conversation if confidence is the thing that really was our kryptonite last year. If you struggled under pressure, hated having the bat in your hand, when they're runners in scoring position, you wanted to just give it to somebody else. This is likely the skill that you should spend the majority of your off season on. Are you your own worst enemy up there? We've all been there. I've been there. I'm going to recommend digging into a couple of these previous podcast episodes that we've talked about confidence. We have many, many, many episodes on confidence but two that stick out to me most that I want you to dive into. Ironically, they were back-to-back episodes in season one, but Amanda Schaefer, she's the mental skills guru, about how to create a mental edge. And then the next episode, episode 11, with former Phillies and world champion Texas Rangers from last year, mental performance coach Hannah Huseman. They dive into how elite athletes think, how they go up to the plate wanting the bat rather than wanting to pass it to somebody else. If this is the skill, I'm just going to say this with confidence. If this is the skill that you know you need to work on, a lot of people are going to overlook it because you can't tangibly hold confidence. You can, you can hold a bat, you can hold a glove. Those are some physical ways that you can work on it. But a lot of people are going to brush confidence over because it's not the easy thing to work on. There's no roadmap. There's no, here, do X amount of reps, you'll get this result. No. I will say, if this is the one that you need to hammer most, I need you to dive into some podcasts. Amanda Schaefer has a brand new podcast out. I'm going to tag that on the show notes. Go listen to it. Hannah Huseman's been on her podcast as well. There are a lot of mental performance coaches that are very good at what they do. Go listen. Go take notes. And the key here for you is going to be as you're practicing on your specific skills this offseason, can you practice the way you talk to yourself in a practice? Your self-talk 
can be practiced in practice. Coaches, this is where you can test out your athletes. Make at practice some sort of machine almost impossible to hit. And athletes are probably like shaking in their boots right now. It's supposed to be hard. But we need to work on our grit. We need to work on our muscle of persistence. If you stand in there and you whiff the entire first day, can you walk in there the next day and say, I'm going to touch it today? And then the next time you walk into the cage, you say, okay, I've touched it a couple times. I'm going to touch it a couple more times. And then all of a sudden come spring, you're not only touching that pitch, that machine, whatever that challenge is, you are now crushing it. Confidence is doing this, the thing that you say you're going to do. Tell yourself you're going to figure it out and you will. Practice your confidence, practice your self-talk, practice your breath work, your journaling, all the things that this podcast spends a lot of time talking about. Practice it in practice. Do not brush off confidence. Every single one of us can be more confident. Doing the hard thing that you don't want to do will make you more confident. Do the hard thing. Don't run away from it. Mm -mm. I just read, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher this because I'm going off script. There was a tweet with a picture of a buffalo and he had a ton of snow on him. And the phrase is, Buffalo have this instinct to go straight into a winter storm rather than try to dodge it because they know if they go straight into the storm, their path to get through it will be much faster. We need to do that more. We need to lean into the hard more. We see a storm ahead of us. We need to go all in because who we're going to come out as is a way stronger person than who went in. I am so excited. I'm leading a couple um, clinics, hitting clinics at the end of the month. I am so using this analogy. We are going to do hard things at this clinic. But the reason why I love these so much is the amount of athletes that walk out of that clinic space, they literally feel like a million bucks. And it's not because it was easy. It's because they worked their freaking butts off and they got to walk out and say, I can do anything. It comes from doing hard things. Okay, I did not mean to talk about confidence for that long, but I'm glad I did. If you needed to hear that today, maybe listen to that on repeat. Maybe save this episode for later because all of us need a little kick in the butt sometimes to do the hard thing because it's not the easy thing. The holidays are like a, a Christmas movie. We're all sitting We're all sitting on the couch watching Netflix. I'm watching The Grinch. That's my favorite Christmas movie. Happy 20 years to that movie. Holy smokes. I'm doing the thing. I'm baking the cookies. I'm taking it easy. But I know I'm, I literally set up these clinics for the end of the month because I want to be challenged more. What are you doing to add challenges to your day, to your month, to your off season? Add challenges. Okay, tangent over. Um, but this last one that I wanted to mention is maybe leadership is the thing that you know you need to be more of. You want to be more vocal. You want to be more optimistic because you're always thinking glass half empty, but you know in order to win championships, you have to be optimistic. Maybe you want to work on leadership. There are so many great books and podcasts, might I say, on leadership. Two of my favorite authors that I was thinking of are John Gordon and John Maxwell. 
just to name a couple, literally there are thousands. Their podcasts, um, John Maxwell has a podcast. I don't know if John Gordon has a podcast, but John Gordon has a bunch of books that are pretty easy to absorb. One big one that I learned about leadership from John Gordon is The Energy Bus. Great book. It sells out all the time. It is such a fantastic book, um, but that might be a good starting point for you if you want to be a better leader. And again, these are just some ideas of areas of your game. I hope it maybe like sparked a couple thoughts in your head. Now, the hard part is to really only pick one. Okay, maybe one offense and one defense. And maybe on defense, you don't feel as confident. Maybe that's the confident muscle that you're going to work on most. But the key is no more than that. No more than that. Commit to just one. The reason why is because you'll find more progress working on the one thing at a time, not a bunch of things hoping that they stick. Your needle will not move up as fast if you're trying to do a little bit of a lot of things. Your needle will start moving quicker up the ladder, up the graphic that you're thinking of when you zone in on one thing. I found an article by a neuroscientist on single tasking, quote unquote, and how it creates less stress. Here's something that I read. It says, multitasking and context switching naturally slows you down. On the other hand, single tasking is more likely to get you into a state of flow in the state of deep focus you get when doing meaningful and difficult work. When you are in your flow state, that's like going up to bat and the the ball is now a beach ball and it's so easy to hit. You will find flow state more when you are a single tasker rather than trying to throw like five different things. Coaches, we can learn from this with our practices as well. Each practice should have one specific focus. And I get it. Sometimes you're doing defense. Sometimes you're doing offense. But each of those areas should have its specific focus. So that as you have athletes going through the practice, they know that it's leg day, it's power day, we're working on our power. So that means from a standpoint of like what our hands are doing, that's not, that's not the conversation today. That's for tomorrow or the next practice. But having them zone in on the specific areas that they're trying to get good at in that moment will help have them have a clear mind when they're attempting the difficult tasks that you give them. By the way, I have that article from the neuroscientist in the show notes if you want to read it. All right, now let's dive into how specifically to make sure you are going to zone in on this skill. Because it's one thing to say you're going to do it, and it's another to actually attempt it. So whenever you practice this off-season, plan to have the majority of your training be on this one thing. For example... You're hitting for 30 minutes downstairs in the basement. Spend at least 20 minutes on the skill. Maybe it's a 45-minute practice. Spend 25 to 30 minutes on the skill. Plan it, though. You need to get the reps in if you want to be great at anything. Let's also be consistent, okay? So if you know Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 3 p.m. are the best times to get in this work, Based on your family's schedule, put it in the calendar. Stay consistent with those times. You are more likely to actually do it. 
life happens. I get it. You're not going to be able to stick to that time throughout the entire winter season or whatever break that you have. And those routines are going to be off. But I will say, if you can be consistent, stay consistent. Here's the pro tip. Find a time on Sunday night to sit down with your whole family. Maybe it's with a little, some cookies in front of you. I'm dead serious. If you plan it with your family, your entire week, when you're going to train, how often you're going to train, and then you go and do it with your family member, maybe dad, maybe mom, maybe a sibling, maybe a teammate's going to join you, you're even more likely going to do it. This is just how our brain works. It's science. (laughs) I wish I had an article to refer to, but it's true. If you plan it, you're more likely going to do it. Now, here's the kicker. I need you to really listen in if you're kind of zoning out. You have to become obsessed with this thing. Like, go back to former episodes on the podcast, maybe. And if you're trying to work on your timing, we have a couple episodes on that. There are probably thousands, I will say hundreds of videos on YouTube about timing that you can work on. There are books about it. There are other coaches in the game that are teaching this thing. If you have a hitting instructor and you're like, hey, I would love to work on timing this offseason, I'm sure they have drills that they could give you. Become obsessed with it, and every decision or thought that you make will be about it, which isn't a bad thing. People take obsessed, and they think of it as like a negative word, but in reality, Kobe became obsessed with his free throws in his offseason. That was like the only thing he was thinking about. He was always thinking about how he could get better at it. He was watching film. He was watching some of the best free throw shooters. He was obsessed with the topic, and that's just one of probably hundreds of things that Kobe did to focus on. But at the time, you have to be obsessed with the thing. So what are you going to be obsessed over? For me, it's clinics right now. I'm going to do so many clinics in 2024. I am, that's all, that's the only thing on my brain other than you guys, because I love this podcast too. But what is it? What is it that you can do to go research instead of scroll on TikTok and get sucked in your phone for an hour and a half on things that just aren't helping you? Maybe, maybe you find an entire TikTok page on timing. Maybe you find an entire TikTok page of softball and hitting or something like that. That is more productive for you than watching the whole gamut and trying to just get entertained. I get stuck down that rabbit hole too, you guys. You're not the only ones. <laughs> we all do, truly. But this will, this will truly, you become obsessed. You will move away from the pack. You will really stand out in that area. And if you keep finding ways to stand out, you will be amongst the best. Best player, best team, finding yourself winning championships more often. This is a team effort. This is an individual effort. This is a coach. Coaches and parents listening. This isn't just for your athlete. This is also for you. Find something that you can become obsessed with that's healthy for you and go dive into it. If it's going to make you better, we have to think long game here. Everybody's in the short term. Everybody's scrolling because we want a short term like dopamine hit in our in our brain. We need to think long term. We are focusing on our next season. It is, I mean, if you're listening to this when this comes out, you're listening in December. Your most important games are not this month. Your most important games are probably June, July. 
or in high school, whatever, whenever your season ends in high school, those are the most important games. You have to make sure you're ready for those moments. It starts now. It really started like a month ago, but it really, it starts now. It's now or never. Now, if you are struggling with offseason when it comes down to playing a sport, because you know you're playing another sport, you think it's holding you back on your softball game, I want you to rethink this. If you're in the midst of basketball season, for example, another sport that you love to play, you're practicing every day, and whenever you're not practicing, you're playing games, and it feels like basketball is running the show. Let it run the show. You heard me. Let it run the show right now. Again, this is a season. Your most important softball games are not now. Breathe. Let basketball be where most of your focus is right now. You may have goals to play big time softball in college or make varsity as a freshman. That's great. That is great to have those things. And if you love softball more, amazing. But too many athletes I know worry so much about the lack, quote unquote, of practice in their softball game. And they think it's like hindering them from their game and they're going to suck next year because they're not being able to practice solely on softball in another season. If that is you, listen up. Think of it this way. Basketball is another team sport with new team dynamics, new teammates. Your role is likely different on this team than any softball team you're on. Maybe you're a leader on this team. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're more of the bench player. Maybe the coaching style is completely different than what you're used to. Frankly, your body is more in shape this this time of year than ever. I played basketball too, so I was always in my best shape come basketball season. Think about this. These factors, all of them, are making you an overall better athlete. We have to look again at the big picture. This sport that you're currently in the season of is teaching you different types of discipline. It's teaching you different ways to work on your footwork, have good hand-eye coordination, more power, hello jumping for rebounds and shooting, like that is power. It's the technicality of the game that's making you smarter. It's teaching you how to be present, but also thinking ahead, looking for the next play, the next decision. Resilience from moving quickly from offense to defense. That's one thing I love about basketball. You don't have time to sit and sulk. Softball, you do. You make a bad pass, you got to go play defense, get the ball back. You have to get over mistakes quickly in this sport. And again, I'm just saying basketball, but you might be playing volleyball. You might be playing, there's so many other sports out there, I don't want to just say it, but all of these other sports are making you a better athlete. Every single one of them is helping you in your softball game, whether you know it or not. If you're all in on another sport right now, go all in. Maybe your extra time is working on your free throws. Maybe your extra time is working on your agility because you're the last one to finish the sprints. Sure, you can hit a time or two during the week just to make sure you're maintaining your good, strong swing, maybe being in control of your pitches if you're a pitcher, working on your strong arm, making sure you're maintaining that. But you are not falling behind if you're playing another sport. That's nonsense if you're thinking of it that way. Prime example, example, Callie Hyvelin was an all-star athlete in high school. She now plays at Alabama. She's a kid that I know pretty well in her family. She was all-state in basketball, all-state in softball. To be all-state in basketball, she wasn't focusing more on softball in that season. No, she was showing up to practice, beating people in sprints, working on her free throws, working on her shooting. Like She was 
her goal was to be a good basketball player. Her biggest goal was to play college softball. So I'm sure she was still swinging in the, in the midst of basketball season, but not as much as she would be when she's not playing basketball. She's, she's one of the best athletes overall that they have on Alabama softball team because she was a multi-sport athlete. Now, if you're not a multi-sport athlete, there's nothing wrong with that either. You actually, you do have more time to specifically work on softball. And if that's the road you choose, great. That's the road you choose. There's nothing wrong with that. I had multiple teammates who only played softball. But take in what is in front of you. Don't try to outwork everybody around you on your softball team when they're not playing another sport and you're in another sport. That's not fair to you. Talk about burnout. You will burn out if you're trying to train as much as somebody not playing in another season right now. Be present where you are. A little break from softball literally is not going to hurt you by playing another sport. Two weeks off is not going to make or break your game. MLB players play an entire season, and I know it's a lot of baseball, and most of them don't even pick up a bat or their glove for a month afterwards. I hope you figured it out already by how long I'm spending on this topic. You'll become a better athlete by playing another sport. You'll become a great athlete if you don't play a sport and you focus on your skills in softball. If that's your passion, that's what all you want to spend everything on. Do not let putting work into another sport make you think that you are not putting work into your softball game. You are becoming a better softball player by going all in on another sport too, okay, in that season. I remember finishing basketball season because I went so hard in basketball that I was so excited for softball. And then I went all in on softball, all in on travel ball that summer. And then that fall, I was playing volleyball. And I was like ready to be done for a little bit of softball because that was a lot of softball. And then I could go all in on volleyball. Again, I'm still picking up a bat. I'm still throwing every once in a while. It's not like I'm completely backing away from softball. But I just want you to take that in. Now, just another disclaimer. If you have high goals to play college softball and to play in the Olympics, we probably should be training a little bit outside of our basketball practice or volleyball practice, whatever it is. Just a little. Just maintain. Okay? You're not going to be an all-star the first week back of softball practice if that's the case. Do not expect that from yourself. You will be rusty at the beginning. But as long as the beginning is not the first day of high school tryouts, we're going to be okay. If you start maybe a few weeks or a month before your big tryout for high school, you'll be fine. Remember, our most important time of the year is like the last games of the season postseason, World Series, things like that. Where you are right now is not where you're going to be next year. And that's because you are knowing what season that you're specifically in, knowing how you're going to go in on this season, and you'll go reap the rewards when they are meant to be reaped. Okay, I'm going to end with this. You have a huge opportunity to really stand out this next spring or summer. If you start implementing good habits in your training right now, consistent habits. Go choose your obsession. What will move the needle for you the most next season? Speed, expanding your pitch zones as a hitter, as a pitcher, commanding your pitches more. A specific pitch that you're trying to master pitchers, catchers, blocking, framing, what is it? Now, the misconception is that you're not only working on that one skill, 
But when you train, that should be the emphasis, the main thing, the obsession. Break down the hours. Basically, if you're not in another sport, you have more time to devote to the skill. But if you're in another season, work with what you've got. Sometimes you're training, and this is another emphasis that I haven't really shared before. Sometimes your training is going to be, you're going to have a bad day. Nothing's going to feel like it's working. You're on the edge of tears. Everyone's upset. Try to work through it a little bit, but if it's not going well for anyone and it's just a hamster wheel of just like all the emotions, call it a day. Not enough of us call it a day when we should be calling it a day. Not every college team has a great practice every time. Sometimes the best thing that you can do is step away, be done with your training, whether it's you're going to breathe for a couple hours and get back to it, or you're just going to come back the next day. Staying there for too long is putting salt in the wound, and it's making you worse, not better. Take some time to breathe. Relax. I promise you your next workout will feel so much better because it's usually our hardest days that lead to our best days. So take it in. Say, eh, it's not a good day. Move on. The faster we move on, the faster we can be back at it. All right, I'm going to stop talking now so you can actually work. Get obsessed with your needle mover. Go all in. Keep chipping away at one skill at a time. Remember, we're playing the long game, people. In a matter of years, yes, years, there's no instant gratification here. You'll be so dang good at so many different skills because you went one at a time at becoming master of each skill. There will always be things we can work on. That's the fun part about sports. That's the fun part about anything, to be honest. Listen, go listen to my first ever podcast I recorded. Whoa, we've made some improvements. Why? Because I've been consistent. I've had some bad episodes, let's be real. But consistency is key. So go figure out how you're going to be consistent. I don't, have, I don't care how great you are, but the mindset of like, there's always things we can work on will keep you hungry. And it really will keep you enjoying the process a little bit more. Because once you become great at that skill, we celebrate that skill. We say, hey, we're great at this. And then next year, we got a new one that we're great at. Now let's get to work. Now let's all get obsessed. What is your obsession? I want to know what your obsessions are. Tag me on social media. What are these obsessions that you have? Let's get after it. If you enjoyed this episode of When the Cleats Come Off, please share it with one friend or even better, share it with a friend and leave us a review. It is literally the easiest way you can promote the podcast and help us get the word out and make our game grow even more. That's what we want. And don't forget to join the new When the Cleats Come Off Facebook community where you can share some of your favorite moments or you can tell me about your new obsession from each episode with a community eager to learn how they can be better for their athletes too. You can find that link in the show notes. Thank you so much for your continued support of the podcast. And I am so excited to create more episodes like this one for you. Don't forget to stay awkward, stay humble, and keep smiling. Oh, and stay obsessed.